1: Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Station. This is series two of our revamped and new look mental health and sports series. This series we're focusing specifically on footballers. We'll be talking to current and ex-footballers about their difficulties with mental health, addiction and various similar similar subjects. Uh, In the current climate of the world, we think that talking about mental health is uh, more important than ever. Uh, In this strange world that we are in currently, these shows are going to be an open and honest account of some of the issues faced by these athletes at the height of their career and how it's affected their lives, both on the pitch and away from the pitch. Um, It's going to be a very relaxed chat, but uh, it's going to be a very honest one as well. Um, Here at Ace Podcast Nation, we are home to many guests and shows featuring exclusive interviews, top guests, expert analysts and more on various subjects you can find the video versions at youtube.com slash podcast nation please subscribe and of course you can find the audio versions at every single podcast and radio platform you can think, think of uh, there's various links in the description below and um, you can also find the links for our social media as well as information on help around mental health or the subject of the episode uh, so with no further ado joining me for each episode is someone who's appeared on the channel a few times before and uh, he's back again to help us talk to our guests and uh, spread awareness about mental health. It's my co-host, mental health support worker Jacob. Welcome back, my friend.
2: All right, I was just thinking uh, just before we come on, I thought, as I always do, I think we were talking about traditions and sort of uh, superstitions. So I was brushing my teeth, my message was like, you can't smell your fucking breath. <laughs> what are you like? Why? She was like, You dressed up for this. Like, you don't yeah. care what. I was like,
1: superstitions. I didn't say, mate. I had a shower just before we started. Yeah. Like, just. I don't know
2: why I do it. Fresh. I brush my teeth. Uh, I've got my two glasses of water. I've got my superstition. So, you can. So, you're un- fully prepared for today's uh, I'm, session.
1: I'm glad you are, mate, because I'm losing my voice. So, like, halfway <laughs> through, if I have my voice goes. I you know, my, my nice. mic is working, it's just I've lost my voice completely. Uh, so joining us today is uh, Warsaw Defender and Captain of the club, Mr. James Clark. Welcome, James. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no worries, mate. Looking forward to this. It's going to be a good chat. Um, so what we do with the shows, it's just a natural, just a conversation rather than us questioning you or grilling you. Um but what we like to do to start is for people who maybe are not aware, maybe not football fans or not aware of you as such, is uh, you kind of just tell us in your own words about your your kind of upbringing, your career, and just a bit about yourself, really, mate. Um. Well,
3: start where I grew up. So I grew up in Hammersmith, which is sort of by. Uh, you would probably say more London way, really. Um, I played
0: way was into a jungle, from what I can remember. My um. Mum and dad, to be fair,
3: luckily supported me throughout it and they, you know, they, they've done so many hours driving uh, mm. to and from training all over the country as well. So, yeah, it's a massive thanks to them where I am. Um, I ended up playing for Rockford which is only half-hour away. Uh, so we ran for the UK, I went into like, the first team and uh, come across some uh, not some great moments and I end up down the league again sort of part time while I was working. Um and now uh, my gaffer, my current gaffer, Del Clark, signed me when he was at Salisbury, uh decided to like sort of move over there. Um and then yeah I played for him for I think, two seasons when he moved to Bristol Rovers. then uh, luckily they got promoted to League two and he took me, he took me with him which was nice. Um and a good four years there which you know, my career and um, now now has gonna Warsaw so I've got him joined in there basically. Nice cool. You're his lucky uh, lucky charm. Yeah, well. Way around,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um obviously we're gonna discuss kind of some of the the issues you've had surrounding mental health, um, James. But um I know Jacob you've obviously uh, I'm already familiar with uh, James, so did you want to tell us like, just a little bit about that to
2: start us off? I know it's hard to believe but I was never a professional footballer so it's not through football, uh, unfortunately <laughs> so yeah um, I'd met James well, the uh, first time I met actually James was at uh, an awards uh, Rovers Awards night, that I was very luckily uh, invited to so, that, so I'd seen him there and um, we were doing stuff with Bristol Rovers at the time and then Obviously, James moved over to Warsaw with a guy called uh, Stuart Sinclair. So Stuart had been helping out the mental health football group I'd been working with. So we had always stayed in contact with Stuart. And then sort of just about March time, when sort of COVID was kicking off, we were running sort of, instead of running the actual football group, we we were running these Skype sessions where we'd have a footballer come on, take part in a q and I said to Stuart, like, oh, can you think of any players? He said, oh... James would be great. Uh, he's really passionate about mental health. Uh, have a chat with him, and then I didn't know anything. Like, I knew James had played, I didn't know any of his sort of uh, stuff around sort of uh, mental health and stuff like that. So then, probably about a couple of days before the session, James had come to me and said, "I really want to disclose some of my struggles, and some of the things that experience I've been through." So I was like, "This is amazing," you know. I, for me, like when someone does that I think it's more like it's amazing that someone feels comfortable enough to share that in front of you Uh, and it's a really brave thing to do so I was really uh, happy and then um, James's session was one of my favourites actually I think he sort of shared some stuff that was really amazing Um, but also just we just had a great talk so he he spoke for about an hour to uh, some patients of mine uh, that come to the football group Um, and it was really great and then afterwards which is very rare not like I'd love to say every guest that comes on gets back in contact with me and says, "Oh, that, that," but it very rarely happens. So James got back in contact and said, "Look, I really enjoyed it. I would love to help out more." So James sort of got involved uh, with the project. So he's now one of our ambassadors. So, uh, and since sort of then, I think that was sort of like July. Obviously, it's been quite hard with sort of COVID doing anything to do with football. But James has been like amazing with sort of like. Helping us so today, uh, I actually seen James recently. uh, Like today, uh, he delivered sort of I think it was like eight or nine pairs of football boots for us to give uh, to some of our players that are unable to afford boots. So stuff like that, just little things like that, make a massive difference. So uh, of course, yeah, yeah. So I think like long term, I think it's it's going to be great for us uh, working with James. And I think I think why it works with James and Stuart. Chris, some of our ambassadors—they've got a real passion for mental health and just sort of helping their local community. So those—I'd love to say there's loads of people like that in the world, but that's, you know, <laughs> there's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so James has been great and really helped, and just like I think some people think, you know, we need these huge like things when the uh, footballer joins in, but just things like just you know football boots. To uh, some people, you know. I know want some mild boots, i just chuck them away. But, you know, James, some of the boots are amazing that we've uh, got. So I know when I deliver them, they'll be great. So when we first first spoke about doing the series, I was like, yeah, let's get James on. It'll be great. Uh, and especially, you know, I've been up to Warsaw. We took a group up. Uh, I think it was about eight or nine uh, lads up to Warsaw to watch a game. And it was great. Uh, we've sort of, I've now inherited the second club that I support. So like mm. every Saturday, I'll, I'll look out for the, I always say I'm not a football fan. I'm sort of like a player fan. So like wherever there's certain players I like, I'll follow their team. So uh, yeah, I was watching uh, the highlights and I'll I'll follow the game. So I was gutted you didn't play on the week, on oh, Tuesday. No, yeah. But but uh, no, it was, you you scored a penalty. Last, was it in Rovers? You you went you went back. Did you go back and take a penalty? Yeah, no, I didn't take one. Nah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not to to deal with that? So it was good because obviously uh, Warsaw were playing Rovers a couple of weeks ago, but obviously we, I was like, before when it got announced, it was like, brilliant, we're going to get down there, take a group and uh, sit in the way end with the Warsaw fans. And, and that's the great thing that's come from this. Like, we've, when we went to Warsaw, we spoke to a couple of the fans and we're like, oh, this is what we're doing. So we feel like we've got a loose connection with uh, some of the fans in Warsaw, which is, you know, it brings the community together, which is great. So yeah, I was desperate to get uh, James
1: on today. Yeah, hundred percent. I can understand that. And um, like, obviously, James, with football, like you just mentioned penalties there. Um, like, it's football's very much like up and down. One minute you're you're the you know you're the king of the castle. The next minute you can be missing a penalty or the yeah, villain. If like. Well um, so, like, how difficult is it to manage those kind of highs and lows generally? Oh. Um.
3: Ah uh, well to be fair, it's something that Daryl said to me when I first sort of met him and it was his sort of like motto it was like never be too high, never be too low. So when you're winning taking your stride when you're losing sort of brush it off. Yeah. So that's sort of how I've tried to sort of like in my attitude like throughout my career really, like just taking each game as a club sort of thing and there's gonna be plenty of disappointment in football just you know, like. So <laughs> just one of those things when, when it does go against you like, you've got to try and put it to the back of your mind Yeah, it's a, sure. it's, it's a strange one in football because you try and when I was younger it was very I, I, I felt like I'd need to talk about that sort of I'd miss a pen just saying oh, I'd have to do that I'd go and talk to someone who's just going to repeat one and they're going to say something I'm missing they're like oh yeah I know but I feel like it was giving me some sort of like, I don't, I, I don't even know. I, I think I was just having the conversation to take it out of it, trying to get maybe sympathy out of it, trying to make myself feel a bit better. It. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, to be fair, like, in the way Sarah was in the, sort of the environment, or sort of maybe things like, you know, that's gone now, that's happened, it's a different
1: problem, but you're know, to try and move on to it, basically. Okay. So, I was just going to ask you, really. um, Previous to what went on in uh, March 2017, did you kind of um, have any kind of issues with mental health before that, whether it it be depression or anxiety, just anything at all? Uh, No, I wouldn't say, like, I'd been, I'd had problems with it. I think we'd all faced it,
3: especially in football. Yeah. But but I wouldn't say, like, I was ever like, depressed, but obviously, like, when you want, when you want to win or you want to make it as a footballer, what, so bad, you know, you have setbacks, it. it does not give you six quite a bit. Um, but uh, I think, I think that's amplified in football, especially when you're younger, uh, those sorts, of, you know, you wouldn't, but like, back, like, looking back now, I'd look back and I'd be like, oh, like, there were, not, I wouldn't say signs, but there were times where I was like, yeah, I was very low, and I didn't need to be, I didn't need to feel like my world was my life was falling apart, like if I got released from the club or something like that. Looking back, like there, there were like low times, but I didn't need to be uh, well. I could have probably had
1: more of a conversation with someone about which could have made me a little bit different about the situation, yeah. And I hope that, um, by people seeing this series and just generally, like Jacob mentioned, some of the names which have been you know, talking to him about mental health. I hope that. By people seeing footballers, specifically in this series, talking about mental health and their um, issues or struggles or whatever it may be, there's, you know, they're all on kind of different subjects that people will talk about it more. And the more, because the more people talk about it, I think it's just better, better for everyone, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's still uh, footballers, there's still people everywhere who uh, still feel like. They're suffering with whatever mental, mental health condition it may be, or an addiction or depression, whatever, um, who are still not talking about it because they don't feel they can. And I think that's what it's about, um, Jacob, isn't it? It's, it's trying to keep raising that awareness and, and keep encouraging people to talk about stuff and to just open up and be, you know, realize that they aren't, you know, they're not alone.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things like it keeps. It's always in the news. Like, oh, it's good to talk about it. It's good to talk about it. And I think sometimes it, you, you might have people go, you know,
3: it's, they're going on about
2: that a lot. But I can yeah. definitely speak for myself. Like, uh, especially with my ADAC, I didn't t- I didn't talk to anyone about it till probably, I don't know, maybe 21, probably later than that, probably about 25, to be honest. And uh, it didn't do me any good. Uh, and then when I struggled with depression, like, I think... I just thought, let's just try something different. Uh, and so I was really open about it. And it was one, probably one of the best things I ever did, to be honest. It, and I have to other guests and other people recently. Someone I spoke to recently was just like, once you open up, you've got nothing then to hide. Like, and you yeah. can just be 100%. And, and sometimes I feel like now, I can say anything. Like, it sounds awful, but I can say anything and there's no sort of... Uh, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm hiding myself where before I felt like I've maybe had... With Jacob, that was this person, yeah. and it's like a private, private, yeah, private exactly. vision of you, isn't it? Yeah, and I know it's really difficult because you know, I'm very lucky I work in a house, so it's quite easy for me to share my mm-hmm. experiences. It's really what you know, I can understand probably for some men in particular in their industries of work, it's probably not that uh, easy to. So, even if you can in your workplace, just finding someone that you can. So, if you know, and that's the great thing about social media, like
1: with my ADHD
2: thing, mine was at first uh, anonymous, didn't post in my, and I would just share, talk about my experiences anonymously, and then I felt, after like about a year, I was like, right, let's post my face, uh, but yeah, for a long time, I didn't post any stuff about who I was, um, and that eased me into it, so I would
1: always, you know, encourage people to do it that way. That's how I contacted you, I think, when Yeah. Because I was like, through social media, and I sort of, discovered your Twitter account, and here we are. Um, and obviously, like with my situation, I um, I talked about stuff in a podcast um, way back with um, journalist Phil Brown, which we did on grief and depression. But the stuff which I talked about in that, some of it I had kept to myself other than my wife for like over 25 years. Like it was stuff from when I was 16. I'm nearly 40 now. And like I came off the podcast and I was so relieved and like, I don't know. I just felt like, wow, wish I'd done that twenty years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's the I thing, was, I think
2: we're in this situation where now we can you know, I was chatting to a family member of mine and um, he 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 was just like, Nah, I couldn't do that. Like ten years ago, or even twenty years ago, like when they had struggled, they were like if I would have said, you know, I was struggling with depression, I remember working with a guy who used to be a football coach, and he told him he had depression 20 years ago, and they kicked him off the team. They were like, they thought he he was at risk, he was like, uh, he was at risk to the kids. Uh, And they just had no knowledge on it, like literally, and you think now, you think, what the, like, if anything now, I'd be like, this is great, like, this is inspiration to the kids, you say, you know, this guy's, but back then, it's just, like, just different times. So we're lucky, you know, I think we're so lucky that we can talk about it now, where
1: you know, before we couldn't um Yeah, hundred percent. There was a Spurs player recently, wasn't there? Um, or in the last couple of years who said like when he was struggling he wanted to tell I think he might have told one of the coaching staff or whatever, but he was so worried about losing his place mm-hmm. in the in the first team in the squad that he found it very difficult to kind of open up. I forget
2: which player it was. But anyway. And, uh, unfortunately, in football, there, there is still that. You know, yeah. I think uh, James is very lucky with Daryl. He's, you know, a man manager that cares a lot about his players. But there are still dinosaur managers out there oh, who, who I know players have gone to just about general stuff saying, you know, I'm having trouble with my relationship or with my wife or stuff like that. And they go, don't care. You only have to, to
3: weakness. Yeah, yeah, they and do.
1: And, Go on, yeah. Sorry, mate. I was going to say you only have to look at Roy Keane's reaction when he was assistant manager at Ireland when one of the players took like a couple of days to spend with the baby because they're like he was supposed to be on international duty. His missus had gone into labor, had the baby, so he was late joining up. And one of the journalists asked him about it, and Roy Keane basically said, Well, he didn't have the baby, yeah, and it was like, jeez, yeah. come on, like. That's yeah. very, that's but that's a, I think that is a very kind of uh, old school, football, old school thought, isn't it? Yeah, um, okay, so um, I'll well, you
3: know, answer the question. So, no, I I didn't really like or was aware of any like depression or anxiety back then
1: before the day you said, yeah, okay, so that's so cool. um you mentioned Daryl a couple of times, James, um, and Jacob. So just for the people who don't know who that is, just kind of tell us who that is. Um oh, D- uh, Daryl
3: Clarke, so he's my uh, manager of Warsaw, he's been my manager of Bristol Rovers and uh and, um Salisbury City back in the day. And uh he's a great bloke who's had me as a, as a player for now maybe eight, nine years. I've known him for a very long time so you know, he sure. he's very
2: personal. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah you he, think he was oh sorry, so, so on, when Jacob. he was at uh, manager at Robert, he's a big fan favourite. I think the way he manages is quite different to he's he's very like old school in some ways, like he doesn't care about what he says, he'll say it how it is, but not in a not very nice way. He'll say it in yeah. like the nice way. And like so, he had done an interview with me, and most managers, uh, I was like, "Oh, what did I say to him?" I was like, um, "Do you want me to like? Do you want? Is there any bits you want me to take out?" He was like, "No." Nope. He said, hmm. "You know, if I said it, it was true." Uh, and he's very sort of in Bristol. There was like, there's a couple of moments where, when James was said, uh, "What did Daryl say to you about the highs and the lows?" Oh, just never be
3: too high, never
2: be too low. Uh, so when. It, when he was saying, "Oh, Daryl said never be too high or too low." As soon as I he said that, and there's there's one image I think of Daryl, and so it was when they got promotion, and he's like literally <laughs> in the middle of the ground with like 200 fans like literally. screaming. And then I remember like I think, I don't know which season it was. There's a famous footage in Bristol of him in a local pub dancing on the on the table. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking. He's definitely
1: enjoying the highs there, but yeah. Yeah, no, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. 100%. So, we, um, James, we talked about... Oh, that's what I was going to ask you, sorry, before I go to that, is, um So with Daryl, obviously, you've been with him a long time, um, and obviously, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that you've been through and you've had to deal with, um, and I'm imagining, by the way you've spoken about him, that he was very supportive and helpful. Do you think that if you didn't have that relationship with him, um, you know, he, the the football club and stuff would have still been as supportive. And I don't necessarily mean Warsaw specifically, I just mean football clubs kind of generally. Do you think there's a lot of work that can be done to support players with sort of any issues with regards to mental health? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky, I'm
3: lucky that he's my manager because if I was uh, at just say, just say for a new club with a new manager, I didn't really know, and new, new staff, and I didn't really know people like, I wouldn't really know where to turn, if that makes sense. I'm lucky I was out in a position where like, I, I had a manager on every year, but if I was at like, like a different club with a different manager, but like, I was just getting to know, I wouldn't really be so forthcoming with any, any sort of issues like that, really.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 understandable as well. Um, so, just kind of talk us through um, what happened with you back in uh, March two
3: thousand and seventeen. Um, right. So basically, so I uh, I've a uh, I've uh, and um, somehow I managed to eat some. Not sure how. Still can't sort of thing, but it's sort of it's sort of a uh, I had like a um, a minor reaction to it. Um, And I ended up going into the game, warming up, not not feeling particularly great, Um, sort of a bit like irritable and like sort of, I have asthma as well, so what I thought, I just having like sort of maybe like a small asthma attack or something like that. And they were saying, are you okay? I was like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. I ended up going into the game and, I could feel it getting worse, and you know, I was more irritable. Oh, I felt like, in front of my face felt like quite swollen. Uh, and so I couldn't really take a deep breath. I couldn't take a deep breath at all, to be fair. Like, I could only have like small, very, very small breaths. Uh, and I kept thinking, oh, it went and I was thinking, oh, maybe it's run out, like, I've asked someone to bring another one out. And I was waiting for like a break for the ball to go out of play. So I could not, like, pick run up another, you know, I think it stayed in before quite was saying, time. Uh, and I managed to get a break, go quickly. I'd love to go and I was like, yeah, something's some not right. And I was like thinking, i you know, just see through to last time and see what happens. I'll say something like, I don't something's not right. And um, one of their players went to me, like, are you alright? And I was a bit, like, yeah. And then my player went around and said, like, yeah, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah? I was like, are you sure? And, like, I, I ended up like having to run out to the corner. Like, I literally couldn't breathe. I like, very, very short breath. Um, and then like, I remember like going like, into the restaurant like I go down there. Yeah. So I couldn't, like, couldn't stay, enough enough breath, and I think I was panicking a bit with it as well. Uh, and my physio came on the pitch, and they were all working the pitch, and sat me into the, uh, in the, in the physio room, and they were saying, because I mentioned to my physio that, like, uh, I thought i would eaten a nut before. Um, it was like, oh, like yeah, like, he's a little nuts, because he's before. Uh, it before. And, uh, the doctor that barrel saying, yeah, we think they have, like, an anesthetic reaction. which um, I've, never, I've never had before, I've never had, I've had reactions to nuts, nothing, nothing serious. Uh, then, like, we to have to, like, inject you, like, have to have your epipan and, all sorts of things and take the hospital and I, I was still like no, I was like I'm not like do you just nothing with that? And they were like no, it's just like apparently we are going to call the ambulance and then. and then I was like no, honestly, I'm still fine they said I look at this and they took a picture of me showing me my face and my face was uh, he like he was like I've never seen him before like he was like it's quite exciting actually. and then um, I just had like a number of injections there and then sort of like, setting it down with obviously, I've really lonely, yeah. I end up going into, um, getting put into an ambulance and going to, uh, going, having a few more things in the ambulance, due to the and a few more injections. And then same thing for back in the hospital I got there, really. Uhm, ultimately, the physical problems from it were short lived, but
1: something that I won't forget, now yeah, it sounds like a, an utterly terrifying experience. To be honest, um, so you cut out a bit of my end there. I know that like the audio will be all right afterwards, but just I just missed a little bit of it. Did you say you don't remember? Um, kind of after a certain point, or you do remember all of it? Oh no, no, no! I, no, I, I remember. I certainly
3: remember like the bits of it during the game, and bits of
1: it
3: coming off. And uh, the ambulance and uh, i the in hospital. Yeah.
1: And so, did like? oh, go oh sorry, on, Jake. So.
3: Go on, no, um, You make because the bit, the bit, the bits I know.
2: So they were saying like uh, both uh, team doctors came over and uh, helped with it. Did did anyone sort of once you were sort of in hospital? I suppose did anyone contact you? Did they contact the family? Your family just to let them know and stuff like that. Uh,
3: well, not like, unfortunately, someone would ever give me. Getting my phone before I left the um, oh, station and parked to tuna. So I was able to make them aware and make my partner aware of it. But obviously, they were a bit worried saying, i get off an ambulance. So they weren't like the captain, just gone down. It was a bit, sounds a bit suspect to them. So mm. I was a bit worried about what they were doing. I know
2: we've spoken before, but at that point, I suppose that it's more of like,
3: were you still in quite shock? Yeah, well, yeah, first I, I didn't, didn't believe in that thing, and they were saying to me, like, yeah, it's just but I don't if you had the reaction, and you just not. I was like, no, no, I don't, well, I don't know. no, I've seen mine Halo, I was just like, not sure if be fine. Uh, I feel like they showed me like, the pictures of my face and stuff like that, and then that's when it all hit me, and I was a bit like,
1: like, like like, Christ, like, or simply by surprise sort of thing. That was the, thing was is, the moment where uh, it definitely The thing is, as well, is when um, when everyone's asking you if you're all right, you you kind of, it puts it more into you, like, your anxiety goes a bit then, doesn't it? Like, you know, in any situation, when people keep asking you, are you all right, you kind of think you get really anxious and you get kind of like, right why, why is everyone asking me if i'm right but uh you at the time you obviously sounds like you thought it was more asthma based than uh anything to do with your allergy um did you say you still don't know where you kind of came into contact with the nuts and stuff well i do but i'm, just... I'm
0: Not really. a
1: legal, legal person i can't really uh... ah right okay all
2: right okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> which player <laughs> was it <It's> yeah <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Which uh-huh. opponent was it? <laughs> like that must have been quite a scary experience not just like for you but also for your for your teammates and your opponents and stuff as well because like you know whilst you get injuries and things like this in football when players go down with like an illness or you know we've seen it a couple of times over the last few years where players have had uh, like heart problems and things like that it is a very different situation. To like, even if someone has like a serious, like a leg break or something, like obviously that affects the players. But I think when it's something you know like this, which is very much nothing to do with football, it's it's you know it's not a pleasant experience for for anyone who's there, particularly you, obviously. Um. So when you were in the hospital, do you in hospital for a long time after that? No, it was um, it was literally an overnight stay. Yeah, it was very yeah.
0: like I, I said like the uh, the physical side. of It was very short lived, really. Mm. I think I played maybe two weeks later, <laughs> <laughs> like quick really. Got chucked straight
2: back in. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start noticing like the men- like Was it that first game back? You noticed a few things.
0: Well, to be to be fair,
2: the first few games I had back, I was like
0: struggling to keep up with the pace, like because obviously, like. I think I think uh, like my breath, like breathing was sore, and, that, and I think because of the short breaths I was taking. So sort of back then, so sort of, no, like, I think I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like overused my lungs, maybe I don't know. Mm. But I was a bit, I physically like I could feel the. You couldn't see the effects of it, like as in because you could visually see the problems I was having at the time. Obviously, but that went down in like a few a few days. But then when it comes to actually playing again, it was a bit physical-wise. I felt like I. I couldn't seem to last ninety minutes, uh, but like you say, it was towards the end of the season. There's only a few more games left, anyway, so it was um,
1: it wasn't really. I
0: didn't. I can't really say I noticed much physical problems sort of after that, really.
3: And when what did about, you start... Oh sorry, go sorry. You, there
1: you go. You go I was just going to say, when did you start to kind of notice, um, sort of any further issues with that, like? in terms of like your mental health side of it or like you know anxiety and things like that
0: well it was um right away really actually i think i went straight back into 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 a game and i felt like very nervous and i wasn't like i wasn't like a nervous sort of person anyways I obviously i got nervous before a game but like in the heat of the moment and during the 90 minutes i found uh but in in those 90 minutes uh, after the very, I was very anxious, very nervous. Didn't, didn't really want to make an error, and then, not, then I'd know then I, I've noticed it more in training. I was a bit like, a bit nervous in training. I was a bit like, and uh I sort of put it to bed. I just thought like, I, I didn't really, to be fair, I didn't really think anything of it. Um I think it was only into the next season, sort of. I went and I'd like, done the whole six weeks pre season. I remember speaking to my physio and just saying like. I don't know why but I'm like really like nervous about training I said, what do you mean I was like no I just don't get nervous going out there and training I was, like, I've known some of the lads like god no like, a few seasons after that and like, I'd known obviously the manager so I didn't really have anything to be nervous or anxious about but I, I had like moments where I'd be like very nervous about like just doing a pass drill or something simple and uh yeah I ended up speaking to my physios and very, it was very helpful actually because he actually put me in club with, uh, in touch with the club doctor, and so we had like a sort of a three-way conversation about it, uh, where he, the doctor, actually advised me to speak to a counsellor about it, which I, was, I was like, oh yeah, maybe. I was like, to be fair, like that, I didn't think it was even related to the, to the, to the incident really. I just thought oh, I'm just a bit nervous. Um. As, as time went on, I was a bit like, ah, oh, like, it's alright, it'll, it'll be alright, I'll get on with it. I didn't, I didn't really ever, like, take him seriously, to be fair, what his, uh, his suggestion, I think it may have been a year on maybe, when I was a bit like, right, oh, like, I, I remember mentioning it again, and, uh, and I I'd mentioned I mentioned other things, like, such as, like, it was a strange one because, whenever, so when I do have that, I have asthma attacks. I like, during games, nothing serious, but like well, I'd just take my inhaler and I'd be fine. I'd get that pain in me, you know, when you see a horror film, you see something gruesome, you get that pain through. You. Mm. I'd I'd get that when I'd have a tight chest, and I know it'd be asthma, so I'd take my pump. But I would always think oh, it could be that, but I know it wouldn't. But I, that would always enter my mind when, and that, that 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 was a that was a strange one because I knew. I knew what the problem was, but I'd always think it might have been something else. And did you experience
2: like flashbacks?
0: Yeah, well, that, yeah, flash. I
2: sort of had like flashbacks where
0: I wouldn't see, I wouldn't like flashbacks like where I'd see myself on the floor, but like I'd have flashbacks where I think like I'd see like my inhaler or something, or really out of breath, and I'd be like
1: have like a realization
0: of thinking about it yeah and like imagining it sort of thing but it was more it was more it was a strange one because i'd more have i'd more have dreams about it i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a nightmare because i didn't ever wake up like scared or or anything like that it was never scary it was just a dream where i just relived relived an incident i'd seen which was an odd one because i remember speaking to the council about it and i saying like well like it's a dream. Problem is, it wakes me up, and I can't get to sleep after then, no matter what what, what time that is. Uh, and I was like, "That's the problem." I was like, "It's not like I wake up in a hot sweat." But I did a few times, but like, it wasn't exactly like it wasn't. It wasn't a scary dream. It was just even me seeing myself as a third person, or me just like reliving it through my own eyes, really. So yeah, it's a bit, it was a bit of a bit of an odd
2: one. Did I family? Really... Sorry, mate. Uh, did family know it's like a sort of. The... Finding sort of your well-being and like how you're changing sort of mood and stuff like that uh
0: more
2: not not so much family, more more my partner really obviously
0: my, my family live up um back in Ellsbury so like yeah. I'd only ever see him sort of once a month or twice a month But more my partner really I think she would notice more more things it was her abroad to my attention when we would go out for food and I used to be like quite and I explain it, but I'd be I'd be happy to order anything. I'll try something different, which
3: which was me all over really.
0: But um, I end up going very I end up going very safe and very like bland. If that makes sense, so, like we we'll go yeah. to like, I don't know, like TGI yes, Friday's. Right. Yeah, I'll go like TGI Fridays. Like, like a burger and chips. It's like yeah. when uh, I used to like order something different on the menu sort of thing. So. She sort of brought
2: that to my attention, really, which I didn't really think, didn't really realise it to be fair to as mentioned to me. Do you think that sort of like fear, that like underlying fear, was sort of subconsciously like making your decisions sort of with the food and stuff like that? Because I think I know you've, you've spoken about. It. I think, like, it's
1: to not underplay
2: it. I think from what I read about uh, the the incident, you're really lucky, and I think. Lucky they had the paramedics and, like, the team involved there because um, it was really serious incident. So do you think that sort of, uh, that fear of what could have happened, that worst-case scenario, what that played on sort of your, your emotions and sort of flashbacks?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think so. I, I, I was very, um, like, how, how I explain the situation very, like, Sort of like, obviously I was easy going with the situation. I have explained it. It doesn't really sound as severe as it probably was. Like, I, and during the incident, I didn't think, I didn't feel it was severe enough to go on the ambulance until like, I got in with the paramedics and I said, I think I was trying to have a bit of a laugh with them. Like, right? and I was saying, like, I was like, so, come on, how serious is this? Uh, and they went, they, they said to me, oh, well, it's good job, we're, because we've seen people, passed away within 20 minutes
3: longer. Uh, I was thinking, ooh, that's
0: oh. so I was off cut and go then, like, trying to make mm. a joke of it.
3: But obviously,
0: knowing in where I was a bit oh. like, bloody hell. Like,
1: but like yeah. you yeah. seem very laid back, like, just generally from speaking to you now. You seem, you know, quite like a laid back, chilled out kind of guy. Whereas, so, whilst you're explaining it and stuff like that, it's obviously, you're explaining it as you are, which is quite chilled out, quite calm and, and stuff. But, like, For me, like, that's the first time I've heard you tell that story. I've read about it a little bit. And, um, like, you can't undersell how lucky you were because of the you know, the safety facilities that were on hand that day. Um, And, you know, I think, so when did, um, so how far down the line or when when did they kind of mention uh, PTSD to you as kind of something to do with it?
0: It was first,
1: when I first had a, a conversation with the club doctor and he said it and I sort of,
0: not last it off, but I was a bit like, like, I was like, come on. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm nervous. I was like, I, you know, I have a few dreams and few flashbacks. Like, and he explained to me that, you know, like, obviously he said he's not a doctor in that, but he's like, there are many, many forms of like PTSD, which sort of the first sort of time I of I heard of it, it was the first time I'd come across it really. Um, so he, he was he was the one who first mentioned it to me, and I, I never really agreed with it. To be fair, until until I saw a counsellor who, who sort of explained it, who actually explained his his uh, experience of it to me, and it's sort all of, not related, but I, I could sort of understand why you could see it as a different sort of. How it affects people differently.
2: Yeah. I think that when people hear PTSD, the first thing they think of is soldiers that have been yeah. you know, in Iraq. And yeah. Place yeah. And, you know, I think with any trauma, it affects people in different ways. So for some people, when you hear PTSD, you think, well, oh, my trauma wasn't as bad as going to war or something like that. So it can't be yeah, PTSD, yeah. but it's how that trauma affects you. And, you know, for you, that was uh, really scary, life threatening. Uh, Piece of trauma that you know, or if you take it all apart, you think this person, oh, you put it on paper, this person has worked incredibly hard for you know, a certain amount of time to get his dream and he nearly lost it in this traumatic event. Yeah. And then when you write it down, you go, oh, okay, that's how, and then it how I, I remember I had some trauma um, from an assault uh, when I first started working in mental health. And uh, I, I was like, when I similar to you, when I talk about it, but like. Oh yeah, it's nothing, nothing, and then people were like, oh, "That sounds pretty scary." And then it, mm. I think it, it's how it affects you. And like some people, you can they can get on with it, but I think it's that for me with the trauma, it affected me with like what I I, I would think about what I could have been without, and like, oh, if that would have gone the way it looked like it was going to go, I would be without family and all this other stuff. Um So when you first met, when. So I imagine they went to the P, uh, PFA when when you first met that counsellor, uh, I know you spoke about it then, like, and we we we've been talking about this—the power of a shared experience. We talked about this before we came on air, like how important it is hearing other people's experiences. When that counsellor shared his own experiences, did you find like comfort in that?
0: Yeah, yeah, like I say, it wasn't relatable, but like it was explained to me because, like, like you say, like PTSD, we normally relate to like sort of. War and because mm. that's how you know, that's how we've sort of seen it, and I felt like I was doing like PTSD a disservice by relating it to my experience. Does that make sense? I was a bit like, well, like, mm-hmm. like people people have got it, they they've been to war, and, and I was like, I had like an allergic reaction on the pitch. Like, I was like, you can't really relate to, <laughs> like, but, so like I felt like I was discrediting mm. like, the, the term PTSD, and he has explained to me his scenario and I was like it was different but I was like it sort of on the same sort of you know it, it weren't a war scenario um so yeah like he, he sort of opened my eyes to it and sort of made me
1: sort of accept that's probably
0: what my my few symptoms
1: bunched together were really yeah so the NHS definition of PTSD is literally um PTSD is an anxiety disorder which is caused by a very stressful, frightening or distressing event. Events. And, and like Jacob said, it basically, it doesn't matter what that event is, it only mm-hmm. matters how it affects you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, and like you guys both said, like looking back on the things which have sort of affected you with this sort of thing, you kind of look back and you thought, oh, well, it was just an allergic reaction. And Jacob, you said, "Oh, you know, it was it wasn't that bad," and it was only afterwards that you kind of thought about it and stuff like that. Whereas, it doesn't make a difference whether it is in war or it's those things, or it could be something completely different. It's literally just your own mind's reaction to it and what it causes. And um, just uh, James, for like for people who who don't are not kind of familiar with what PTSD. Um, you know what it does uh, how the effects and stuff I know you've said like about the dreams um, and kind of like the anxiety around playing again Um, how difficult is it to have those things going on and still be a professional athlete Uh, yeah
0: tough to be fair (laughs) yeah very tough because you just, I sort of felt like sometimes I'd lose concentration in the game because i will be thinking about what's happened before and, like, in the scenario and that. And yeah, it's a tough one, especially when, especially, like, well, any game, really. Like, You get slightly nervous before a game. But like there, were, there were a couple of times where there was games where I was, like,
1: extremely
0: anxious, sort of, to the point where I was a bit like, wouldn't mind if I didn't miss this game, sort of. Yeah. Things like that. Um, which has never, never been like me. Like, I've always sort of like tried to rise to the occasion and sort of like, to like thrive under the pressure, but sort of it or, I almost went the other way and sometimes felt like I was going to buckle and sort of play very sort of like safe. Mm. Uh, I didn't really want to put myself out there to make, make an error or. Mm. So yeah, no, it, it does affect you. Especially, especially like some strange reason. I just, I just found myself thinking about it a lot. It's just, just during the game, it's... like.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a strange reason. It's like looking at it from a, from the outside. Obviously, you know, it's, I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't think. Why, like looking at it from the outside, I think there's nothing strange about it. You thinking about it at any point because it's such a big thing which could have you know so easily gone a different way. sorry, sorry. Do you ever think? Uh, do you ever
2: think if you hadn't, you know, because it was really brave of you to then. You know, you like you said. You know, you knew Daryl for a long time in the, the team. there. But do you ever think, oh, if I hadn't have gone to get that support, like where it would have led? Well, I don't
0: think I don't think we'll be having this conversation because I never, like, I wouldn't have this conversation now because I never, never used to speak about. It. If anything, it used to annoy me. Like I'd, I'd go back home, have a few drinks with a few of my mates, and see see old school friends, they "Oh, be like, oh, what happened to you? What happened there? And I'd, I'd, I'd hate talking about it, and I'd get a bit arsy, a bit, a bit ratty. And I never I never really, I only speak to my partner about it, so I never really actually used to speak about the scenario of what happened and I, I found it quite, like, not boring, but I'd be a bit like, I don't really want to go into it type thing. I'd always sort of shut it down. Um, yeah, so like, I, obviously, like, my the club dogs I knew this now and my physio officer was there so he knew what happened so I didn't really need to explain too much to them uh but it went into I actually went to the counsellor who actually we talked about it uh and it was very like the first session was very he didn't really get too much out of me I did speak about it but like not a lot and then the second session we sort of talked about it and it sort of went on and went on and like I didn't realize because I was end up saying, I, I, I remember saying to him, like, we're going over this again and again. I said, like, no, I've already said this. And he's like, yeah, but now you've told me the whole story in, like, in the session. And I was like, yeah, because the first one, I'd only give him a bit. Second mm. session, I was only giving him another bit. And then he got to the point where I felt like I was repeat, like, repeating it, repeating it. And I, I was saying to him, like, what are we doing here? And, I, and he's like, well, you just explained to me the whole of the scenario in like one hour and I was like, I, it sort of took me by surprise really like i was sort of went off went off and i was a bit like like what's it on about i got in my car and it went until i got home i realized that i actually spoke to my partner about i ended up going through the whole story of her again and it was probably the first sort of real time that i've gone through the proper whole story with her rather than just bits of it yeah so he sort of made me well, by me talking to him it made me feel a lot easier explaining Mm. The scenario and, and the issues I'd had. And it's probably what made, well, like I say today what's made me how I am with it. Like, I'm able to talk about it as easy as it was because it is something that happened. Um, whether people see it as traumatic or not, like it was for me. And mm. I've just learned, I've, and the problems I had, I don't know if they will like, like, I said, the, the counselor, I'd, I don't know if I'll ever get over it or whatnot, but I was like,
1: but by talking about it with him, I've sort of learned to
0: accept these are the problems,
1: and they're either going to be there or they're not. So it's just one of those things. Um, James, sorry, I just wanted to skip back a little bit. Um, I wanted to check something. So you know when you told Daryl, uh, kind of for the first time that you were kind of struggling with this, or you know, and had uh, the the, the the issues that you were having. Um what was his first reaction when you told him?
0: Um his first reaction was to be fair, he was he's always he's always been good, uh, in regards to me if I've ever had a problem sort of out of football. So he, he said if I needed time, sort of like if I needed time away and that he'd give me a sort of thing. Um he sort of, he he wanted to talk about it, but obviously I didn't really like at that moment in time, I didn't yeah. really want to talk about it. Like, so he he was he was good he was good for me in that then respect. He sort of gave me time and and also he sort of he, he let me just get on with what I needed mm-hmm. to do. Like, I, I didn't need like if I had a bad day or a bad day in training or sort something. Of he didn't need to pull me in and like like get into me. And like, I think he I think he realised like I was struggling with certain things. So he sort of left me to my own sort of devices and just okay. go on sort of like. Which I was better for me, really. I I feel like I didn't need at that moment in time. I didn't need. I don't think I would have responded much to anyone trying to talk to me yeah. or trying to like divulge any of any of the information I had mm. sort of thing. So. And I
2: think that? that's that shows the power of decent, good man management. I think if you were with a yeah, if, if you yeah, like really manager, that was like I do you know you're here to do a job. All that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. You know, I'd hate to think where that would have led to because, oh, you know, yeah. with any of these mental health difficulties well, but
1: the longer we leave it,
2: the worse it gets. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I suppose I speak the same for your family as well. You know, it's, we're really lucky that you were in at the right place at the right time with people that knew you. But yeah, I think yeah. that's that's the worry, I suppose, moving forward to other players that are, you know, and, and anyone listening to this, you know, who may, might be struggling in their work and that's a professional footballer, or a scaffolder. If you've got a boss that's not understanding, it's where where do you turn to then? You know, if you're yeah, yeah, and and that's the scary thing. You know, I've been lucky enough to work with a couple of footballers who don't have that sort of same relationship with the manager, and so it's really tricky because you think, you know, I'm very lucky in my work. I've got a great manager that I can share stuff with, but you know, it must be awful to have someone like be struggling and not have anywhere to turn to.
1: Yeah, 100%. yeah, oh, yeah. Go on, James. Come. on. I was that's just going to say what I just agree. Yeah. Um, the other thing, very quickly, so like you said, Daryl, you know, he sounds like he had a phenomenal reaction, to be honest. Um, and that's like the kind of reaction that you want, I would, you know, from anyone is one is caring. It's basically saying, if you need anything, I'm here, you know, and I'll talk to you. But also kind of giving you that space whereby, you, like you said, you didn't need to be pulled in and told that you weren't you'd know, you had a bad day because you knew already yeah. what about um? what about your teammates and stuff when you know at some point your teammates would have kind of found out that you are having these issues was it only when you kind of talked about it publicly that they found yeah. out or did you
0: discuss it more before?
1: publicly really
0: like I didn't, I didn't really it, it was more like how it was talked about how I talked about it with the changing it was more about more a bit of a joke really, not not sort of my problems, but the scenario that happened. Um, so yeah, like obviously it was. I think it was the day before Cheltenham races, it happened and obviously I'd bought a suit and everything, like to go with the lads and like booked book a hotel or whatnot to stay over and that, and obviously ended up in hospital bed, like not being able to go. So it was a bit of like a bit of laugh and a joke. Um, but no, it was never, I, never, I never really spoke to um, any of my teammates about any, any of the issues I really had because mm. we were quite a sort of garden-ho sort of group, really. And mm. Anyway, well, I couldn't probably have had the conversation with them. I'm sure I yeah. would have been able to,
2: but
3: I, I, well, I don't
2: think I was in that, that right frame of mind to sort yeah. of
3: go, yeah, go to the team
2: about That's the thing about you know, sharing experiences. You have to be in the right space. You know, I'm lucky and you're lucky. We're at a t- time in our lives where we're at that space. But if someone had told me yeah. four years ago, you'd be talking about depression. I'd be like, now nah, fucking one. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. nah, no way. Uh, I'm not at that stage. And and you know, it's. I think for each person, it's a different stage where you are. Where you have to go. Right. This is the time. I think with my trauma. It took me a long time till like I get got to that stage where I could go. Okay, I can talk about. It. You're exactly right. When people ask you how it went, you'll go. This, this, this happened, and this is where I am today. But you've never actually told the full story of where, how you were, how those emotions, yeah. the whole story. And there's, you know, same with my, when I had my counselling session after. He, there's stuff I talked to him about that I didn't talk to anyone else about, and those feelings, those raw emotions that come out. Um, since you sort of, obviously, this is your first proper, I suppose, podcast or interview where, you, where you'll be sharing your experiences, um, what was the reason that you thought, right, this is the time where I'm ready to sort of talk about this?
0: What you mean, sort of, with, the part, with this podcast?
2: Yeah, or just like, like because I know... We, in general. Yeah, in general, because I know we you'd shared stuff uh, with me sort of a couple of weeks ago, but that was a real private sort of, we didn't record it or anything like what sort of changed? I suppose this year, where you thought actually this is the time where I think I'm ready to sort of own it and sort of share some of my experience to help others.
0: Um, I don't know. You know, actually, it's a bit. It's a bit of a strange one. I think as as I've got older, and I think as I as I mature or grow, I think I like I said, I'd learned to accept things
1: and like accept like sort of the issues
0: I I have or have had um and i think i think sort of uh, the sort of the world we live in now we it's more it's more acceptable to sort of have the conversation and i think over the years i like don't get me wrong i've I've learned the hard way of being able to talk about my experiences but i've seen probably other people talking about it and other people not not the same experiences that i've had but like uh, the same sort of Scenario in a, in a sports person, sh- like, not struggling, but like, you know, saying that they've had problems sort of thing, like me- mental health issues. And that. So it was, um, I think it, not, not, it didn't feel like it, it. I could probably say it felt like I was okay to, it was okay for me to come out and sort of like mm. say it to someone if, like, and, and have an open conversation about it, like. Yeah, definitely.
2: And I think, you're you're definitely right. I think things have definitely changed in the culture. Where you know we were saying this. Uh, I mean, so I was saying this to the last guest. You know, <laughs> into uh, 2020, we've got three three men talking about mental health who've all got their own
3: experiences. Which is you know, years ago we just
2: wouldn't be in that uh, situation. I think uh, whatever you, your experiences are, you know, I've seen James play uh, a number of times, and on the field he's a very passionate, strong. um... And you'll, you know, I, I suppose your position in in your squad, you you have to be, especially as a captain, but as a defender, you'll you'll sort of run the pitch and tell everyone where to go. So I think for fans listening, for some it might be like, oh, this is really surprising. But I actually I think it's quite human. I think it's quite normal to go yeah. actually look, I can be this person on the pitch, but it's okay to sort of not be okay, like they say, and it's okay to be vulnerable at times because it is so common that we all struggle. It's just not.
1: Everyone's at a situation where they're ready to talk about it. I think it's inspiring. I do. I find it inspiring because for me, like it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of guts and a lot of hard work to get through something like what you've been through. And I know, like, there's always someone who thinks they know better. There'll be someone in the world somewhere who will kinda of look at it and think, oh, you know, what's he on about? That's stupid. But as we've talked about, like, it's personal to each person like it's every person's different. Um and for me, like knowing that uh the effect that the 20 years where I didn't talk about certain things, the effect that it had on my life leading to um problems with alcohol, problems with gambling, problems with this like other stuff, that all came about because uh, I didn't talk about stuff and I didn't deal with my problems. Um, so I know only too easy what that can kind of lead to. Mm-hmm. And for me, like whenever anyone is willing to, one, you know, say, look, I'm not all right. Or I've got a problem, whether it's addiction or something, or, you know, whatever it may be. When they're okay just or when they're brave enough to say, I'm not all right. And you know that they might be concerned about what other people say whether it's teammates or colleagues or the media, or who you know, whoever it may be, that to me is I love it. I just think it's fantastic. And yeah. I commend you for it, mate, because like we like we all talked about before the show, a little glimpse into it. It's like I said, I'd rather get one view of this video and that one person be like, Yeah, I'm kind of feeling like that or I've been struggling. And it reached that person, then get a million views and everyone kind of go, like, listens to your story and be like, oh, wow, you know, that's quite an interesting story. It's good that he's got this and, you know, he's getting better or he's dealing with it. Uh,
2: especially with the PTSD, because I think it is probably one of those things that is probably quite common, but a lot that yeah. the... the um a lot of people have that thinking. Oh, I'm not soldier, so I can't have PTSD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's always associated
3: with that.
2: Yeah. If it takes, you know, someone to watch this and go, actually, no. Oh, yeah, I resonate with some of those. I get anxiety after that or this and this. You know, go to their doctor or their GP. No, it's great. It's fantastic. So I suppose, um, what's the plan for you? We're going to wrap it up in a minute. What's the plan for you, sort of this at the end of this season? With End of the season. No, this season. What's the plan for what's oh. the season? Uh I'm, well, I'm hoping we
0: do. I'm hoping we get near, well, near the top than we did last year. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. hoping maybe. Well, I know we're gonna we're, we're having to push for our promotional playoff spot. Really,
1: I'd I'd be lovely if we
0: could, you know. But um obviously, times are hard at the minute, and uh no one really knows what's going on sort
2: of thing in regards to football. So. And I as me and side, you know, it's the first uh, current player we had. What is it? How are the players struggling? Like, how are you finding it playing with no fans?
0: Uh yeah, it's a weird one because you. It, sound, it is cliche when
2: people say like the
0: fans are a twelve man, that. But especially when when you're at home though, and you got quite a few fans there, and you're trying to push for a last minute goal, and you're getting like cheered on and that, like, it does give you that like that massive boost. Um, but obviously with them not there now it's very like it's hard to explain it feels like a, a reserve game which is like obviously where I'm it's a bit pressure. half well yeah no but very like it sort of feels half-hearted yeah. like it feels like the environment uh, no one's able to watch so no one's really bothered it's a bit like it feels that like, obviously it's not there's obviously still a lot on the line but it feels very like re- reserve gamey sort of like it's just because the build-up's normally, like you know, it's fans outside and mm. the warm-up, it's fans. But obviously, with them not being there, it, it just feels like it's, it feels like nothing's on the game. Obviously, there is. Yeah, but, I mean, like the build-up and then, like obviously in the game, you don't
3: you do you do notice
0: it, but obviously it's not it's not your main your main thought when you're playing the game. But yeah, no, it, it does feel like it does feel like it's, it's, it's just a game with nothing on it,
1: I and mean, the, the build, especially the build-up. Yeah,
3: definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, one of the boys we've had on the football show on a Monday said it's like a Pontins league, like the old Pontins reserve games. might have been um, Andy, might have been Andy, right, yeah, I mean, Husky, I'm not sure, I can't remember which. But someone said it, and it, it seems to be that that's the type of uh, kind of atmosphere that it is, just like a reserve game. Um, but it's where we are, unfortunately. Um, James, look, so fa- thank you so much for talking about... Um, you Know your issues and everything which happened to you. Um, I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, and I'm like I said, I commend you massively for you know just for dealing with it and being open enough to talk about it. You know, I th- again, right, okay. I think it's, okay. it's wicked, mate. I really, yeah, do. definitely. I, would, I would 100% agree. I think you
2: know, a lot of footballers get a lot of shit for you know, oh, yeah. uh, for maybe mm. uh, you know, not helping, but I think. James is a great example, you know, he helps his community, and that's the community in Warsaw, but also the community in Bristol, but also he's sharing something that, you know, a lot of players, you know, you're in a great position that you can share, but I also, in the other, like, I think of all the players that are not in that position, they're still really scared of sharing their experiences, and they're sort of, I think, in some ways, that's probably worse for me, that I think... I'd hate to be in a situation where I feel like I can't be myself and I can't share some of my struggles. So, you know, it's amazing that you can do that. And hopefully it'd be great to catch up, like, you know, in six months' time on this or whatever, on the Monday t- uh, podcast to see your reaction, what other players have said or fans have said. Because so i would be really interested to see the reaction you get from it. Because I think if it's how I think it's going to go, hopefully it will go really positive. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being just you and being amazing.
0: Ah, thank
1: you.
2: I uh, appreciate you
1: having me on. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, and then um, lastly, guys, I would just like to say as well, if you've uh, got a family member or yourself is battling addiction, mental health problems, or anything, if you're just struggling, just know that you are—you're not alone. We're all in it together. We all—we uh, all feel like it at some point in our lives, and uh, you can get through it. Uh, as a good friend of mine says, keep on keeping on, and uh, I'll drop links to all our social media for us. And of course, uh, for Mind Mental Health Charity, and probably a couple of other links as well. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday for another episode of Ace Podcast Nation's mental health and sports series. Until then, spread the word. Remember to be kind. Hashtag don't. work.